Don't pay retail for your diamond engagement ring or gift. Come to CleanOrigin.com. Founded by a leading family in the diamond industry for more than a century, we're experts in lab-grown diamonds because that's all we do. Clean Origin, the only diamond jewelers who give you a 100-day, no-questions-asked return on your purchase. Head to CleanOrigin.com or one of our retail stores and mention code RADIO10 for 10% off your purchase. That's CleanOrigin.com, code RADIO10. Rakuten is proud to present Elizabeth I, the new podcast about Elizabeth Taylor as the original influencer. She was famous for her impeccable style, and Rakuten wants to help you save on the styles you love. Shopping for the perfect holiday party outfit? Rakuten makes it possible with cash back, deals, and coupons. Save money at stores you love. Get started at Rakuten.com or get the Rakuten app. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N, Rakuten.com. What am I hearing? It's the Bob and Sherry Show with Bob. Bob, I love your voice. It's so sexy. And Sherry. Sherry, you are just gorgeous. I see you on their website all the time. You're beautiful. And now from the Palatial Bob and Sherry Studios, it's Bob and Sherry. Hey, hey. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see it, but Netflix dropped a brand new show late last week, which I watched the first episode over the weekend. It's called Blockbuster. And it's about the very last blockbuster store in America, which we've talked about. It was an or it's in Oregon, right? The very last blockbuster um, that remains alive is in Bend, Oregon. So there is oh, yeah. one store left. So this is a mm-hmm. comedy. It's not a documentary. It's a, it's a sitcom basically, and um, it's set in the very last blockbuster store, and the the characters are the people that work at the blockbuster store. And if you watched um, the TV show Fresh Off the Boat, the guy that is in that was in that plays the manager of the blockbuster. And then one of the actors from Brooklyn Nine-Nine is uh, an employee there that he has had a crush on forever. And her name is Eliza. So the, the the show opens up with the store manager of the last blockbuster getting the news that this is the last blockbuster store it's so well done here's just a little snippet from the trailer look there's no easy way to say this seven more blockbusters just closed you're officially the last one on earth i uh don't love the pattern that's starting to emerge hello come on i'm the last man standing how am i supposed to be the next tarantino if i don't work in a video store Uh uh-huh yeah that's what's holding you back no one's going anywhere because everything is under control That's reassuring. Just act like one of your favorite bosses from a movie. Like Boss Baby or Devil's Advocate? One of those is a baby and one is Satan. And look at the heights they reach despite their circumstances. Hmm, fair. Continue this focus. I think we're going to be okay. An eviction notice? I felt real bad about it. That's why I drew a sad face on it. No one takes me seriously. I've been working here since the seventh grade. That is not the flex you think it is. <laughs> so so um, I learned something about the real Blockbuster that's right mm-hmm. out of an episode of Sopranos, Bob. So mm-hmm. Blockbuster began in Dallas, Texas. One store, a guy named David Cook opened a video store and he did really well. And then he opened another video store and he did really well. And before you knew it, he built a massive uh, video warehouse and expanded and ultimately sold Blockbuster Video for almost $20 million to two executives from waste management. Does that not sound that like right? a soprano subplot? It does. Yeah. yeah it really so does. The, 
the two uh, former executives in the waste management business, they explode at Blockbuster. At one point, there was a new Blockbuster video opening every 24 hours. I want you to think about what a success story that was. Every 24 hours, a brand new store. By um, the early 90s, there were almost 3,000 Blockbuster stores around the world. It was just insane. It was going so well. Now, what, of course, went wrong? That would be streaming. That would be Netflix. And we talked about this once on the show a long time ago. The founder of Netflix went to Blockbuster and offered, um, offered Netflix to Blockbuster for $50 million. And the CEO of Blockbuster at the time burst out laughing. And that was the end of that. And today, Netflix is everywhere, and there's one Blockbuster store left. And if you want to talk about like salt in the wound or squeezing lemon juice into someone's eyes, Netflix, who swallowed Blockbuster whole, now has what I think is going to be a hit series making fun of that on Netflix. You know, you have to put yourself in the guy's place, the guy who's uh, at Blockbuster, you know, getting the offer. Netflix at first, didn't it seem kind of dicey? Weren't, weren't they mailing the yeah, movies it was, it was to movies your house? By mail. I, I never did that at all. It just seemed to me like more trouble than it was worth. I could see if you're running Blockbuster and you're still bringing in the dough, the idea of $50 million to a competitor whose concept is we mail this little disc through the mail to the people who want it might seem like more trouble than it was worth business-wise and a gamble with his money. But you had to, I mean, this is the thing. This is why some people are gazillionaires and super successful and other people kind of get lost in history because it was, you had to look beyond like, oh, Netflix is mailing DVDs. At, you had to see what was coming. And as you long had as you to, could see down the road, you had to you could it's see not, that. Not yeah. just seeing, because we've worked with a lot of executives in our business. It's not enough to see it. You have to accept it. Right. You right. have to accept that here comes the future, whether you like it or not. And Blockbuster missed that opportunity. But for me, and it, the show is called Blockbuster. It's on Netflix. For me, the hilarious thing is it's right out of Sopranos. And we're in the waste management business, and now we're going to be in show business. <laughs> yeah. And sure enough, I mean, they turned I it know. into a worldwide global phenomenon. Before the um, before the Bend, Oregon store became the very last blockbuster, do you know where the second to last blockbuster store was? was it in it's got to be Alaska. Alaska. No, no. It's even further away. Even further. Even Take a further wild away guess. Than it's it, mm-hmm. Is well, it in this Hawaii. country? Nope, Hawaii. not in this country. Nope, not in this country. Uh, uh, About as far away as you can be. Perth, Australia. Perth, Australia. Wow. Perth, that Australia. Makes sense. That and is Bend, literally Oregon. the other side of the world. Yeah, that's exactly right. All we right, coming up. remember you well, those rewind days and the <laughs> penalties I used to pay for a certain daughter who wouldn't rewind. Coming up, we got morons in the news. We have comedian Ian Carmel. And we have the story of this poor SOB that was tortured for being a vampire. Of course, he wasn't. He wasn't a vampire. He's finally vindicated. 
It's all coming up. It's Bob and Sherry. Hey, you can upgrade your mixology game with Vena's Fizz House Virtual Mixology Classes. If you'd like to win a class for you and a friend, just go to BobandSherry.com. That's B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I.com. And hit the contest tab. And hit the contest tab. And it's the perfect holiday gift. Vena's Fizz House Virtual Mixology Classes with Bob and Sherry. Bob and Sherry Books, Swag, and the Mother of All Mothers Merch. Just hit shop at bobandsherry.com. I was checking out at the grocery store the other day, and you know, they always have those magazines in most grocery stores, unless it's something like Fresh Market or one of those. But uh, the one that I check out on has a million of them, and one of them was one of these collector item magazines of Queen Elizabeth II. And I was surprised because they had another magazine like that about two weeks ago. And then the week after that, she was on the cover of People magazine. And now she's back again with another magazine about her. Uh, People are not going to let her go. They really aren't. And I was charmed by this BuzzFeed article about a time when the Queen met up with two American hikers. I'm just going to read this to you. Um, The Queen was walking with her former royal protection officer, whose name is Richard Griffin. And he was walking with the queen near her country estate in Scotland when suddenly there were two hikers. This is the quote. There were two hikers coming toward us and the queen would always stop and say hello. It was two Americans on a walking holiday. And it was clear from the moment we first stopped that they had not recognized the queen. He goes on to explain, quote, the the American gentlemen were telling the queen where they came from where they were going next, and where they'd been in Britain. And sure enough, one of them said to Her Majesty, and where do you live? (laughs) And she said, I live in London, but I have a holiday home just on the other side of the hills here. He said, how long have you been coming up here? And she said, I've been coming up here since I was a little girl, so over 80 years. He said, If you've been coming up here for 80 years, you must have met the queen. (laughs) And quick as a flash, Queen Elizabeth said, well, I haven't, but Dick here meets her regularly. (laughs) He continued. (laughs) So so the guy says to me, so you met the queen? What's she like? And, And this is the man talking now, the protector. And since I'd known her a long time and I could pull her leg a little, I said, well, she can be very cantankerous at times, but she has a lovely sense of humor. And the next thing I knew, this guy puts his arm around my shoulder and gives his camera to the queen and says, can you take a picture of the two of us? <laughs> Isn't this great? He added, anyway, we swapped places and I took a picture of them with the queen and we never let on. As we waved goodbye, Her Majesty said to me, quote, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when he shows those photographs to his friends in America. And hopefully somebody tells them who I am. That is one of the that may be the best story I've ever heard about the late queen. That is an amazing story. That's someone who um, did not have a big uh, swollen ego. You know, yeah, exactly. Who did not? Who did not need to be endlessly catered to? I just, I just lost uh, her husband's name, Prince Philip. Um, Philip, Philip, Prince of Philip. course, Prince. There's so many princes in uh, 
and changes in the royal order over there. My favorite story was one that was close to that. He was evidently, Philip, uh, I think it was back in the 1980s, was at some sort of an opening for like royal uh, dinnerware that was, you know, English dinnerware that was being promoted at some sort of a industry uh, sale at a convention. And he's standing around and he's got he's got a dark suit on and he's standing around and he's chatting with a couple of people. And someone wandered into the conversation and uh, an American and uh, he's listening and he's going, well, obviously you're from uh, England. And Philip says, uh, yes, I am. Very good. Uh, and this is English product. It's 100 percent English product. Oh, that's very good. Uh, what do you know? And they, they talk about it a little bit. And uh, the man says, um, are you with the, uh, the porcelain company? He goes, no, I'm not. I, I'm just here with the promotion. And um, what do you do? And he said, I'm still married to the queen. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. I'm, I'm going to ask you, what, if, that's, if you're the guy, what do you say at that moment? Outside of get me a drill so I can go right through the earth to the center core. You you better be able to laugh at your own mistake and then apologize. You yeah. better be able to, because if yeah. you don't, you're going to relive that a million times. <laughs> and you're you going to cringe and sweat every single time. Mm-hmm. I mean, what would I, you do? What would you do? I, Seriously, I would, in that I moment. I think I would physically turn red and I would just go, oh my God, I'm. of course you are. And just do that Bob two-step thing, you know. And I, you know what? You know what happened? I'm so sorry. I'm just. Uh, oh my goodness! I just. Uh, I'm. I'm Bob. Uh, my father owned Slosser's Countryside by the Sea. It didn't go well. And, you know, we. I do a radio show. I do a radio show. Yeah. I get yeah. up very early. I, there, I'm very tired. That's why I didn't recognize. I would you. say, just behead me. You guys still do that, right? <laughs> <laughs> we got morons in the news next. It's Bob and Sherry. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. It's Bob and Sherry. Don't be a moron. With morons in the news. I want to talk to the guys right now, especially the single guys out there. I know you want to be with a girl. You want to have a girlfriend. You want to hug her and kiss her and squeeze her and show them to your mom that you got a girlfriend. But I got to tell you guys, it's just not worth it to go to jail. There's a guy whose name is Ralph Puglisi, and he lives in Tampa, Florida. He was the accounting manager for the University of Florida Medical Services Association for about a decade. During that period, he stole, wait for it, $12.8 million. From where? $12.8 million. He moved it over to credit cards very slowly, and he used the cards for home furnishings, trips, and gifts, and a luxurious lifestyle. He wanted wow. to take care of his ex-wife and show her, you know, what a great worker he was, and his ex-wife's mother. Uh, Mr. Poluski's ex-wife says that uh, she denies these claims, and this is what really happened. Once the marriage went south because it lacked romance, it prompted him to turn to a webcam performer on a website called My Girl Fund. My Girl Fund for sexual gratification and companionship. He sent one girl 
Mr. Puglisi spent, sent one girl on the website $6 million. All of they, my body parts together attached to a car battery and lit by neon are not worth $6, much less $6 million. <laughs> what? What? This is why I don't have an OnlyFans. For some reason, when she was asked to send back some of the money, she sent back 200000 out of the $6 million. Um, according to... Um, Scott Ross, the attorney for the website, we typically do not comment on pending litigation. This allegation by Mr. Puglisi is false and based on no objective data. Records show that Puglisi paid $1.2 million in restitution, also turned over his interest. Mr. Puglisi, by the way, he gave a lot to the girlfriend fund, but he also bought a $400,000 property in the uh, Virgin Islands. Um, he got his. He got that backward. I'd have bought the multi-million dollar property in the Virgin Islands and then given four hundred grand to some lady on OnlyFans. <laughs> I don't understand men at all. I don't understand. And, and here, here is what really jumps out of me. He is going to have to pay back this money while he's in jail. Working in jail, he will receive between twenty-five dollars quarterly and a hundred dollars monthly. If he gets some sort of a job that's supervised, take a while. The court has said it would take approximately 1,000 years for Mr. Puglisi to pay back what he stole. I mean, he's never going to pay it back. 1,000 years. Let's go to uh, let's go to today's moron of the day. I love his name. It's very it's very very um, exotic and beautiful. His name is Andres Orjuela Montalegre, and he was stopped on I seventy five at four o'clock in the morning when Marion County, this is in Florida, Marion County Sheriff's deputies saw that his hazard lights were on, and it appeared that the tires on the driver's side of the car were deflated. And so they pulled him over, you know, know, do you need help, sir? It turns out that the tires were not deflated. The tires were missing, and Andres was driving on what little bit was left of the rim. So the deputy said, basically, "Uh, what's up with that? And Andres said, here's the deal. Someone put a curse on me and made me hit a curb too hard. And um, I had a choice. I could either drive home without tires or set the car on fire and sleep in the median. And I think you'll agree I made the right choice. You know, the deputies did not agree that Andres had made any good choices on this particular <laughs> night. Was, so they invited hey, it him. Sh- it was a good shot. I it think was a you'll shot. agree with me. <laughs> he, they invited him to step out of the vehicle. Um, he struggled with the field sobriety tests. He began cursing and waving his arms and yelling to the deputies that he was the victim of paranormal activity. That is a moron of the day you don't see every day around here. One who's been cursed. We're going to pop that up on our Facebook coming up. We have comedian Ian Carmel. And we've got this poor man whose neighbors believed he was a vampire. And what they did to him? You know, your neighbors may be judgmental and difficult now, but at least they're not coming at you with wooden stakes, silver, and garlic. 
It's Bob and Sherry. The Bob and Sherry store is restocked with the book Cooking with Cats. Sherry Lynch's cookbook with great recipes and pictures, of course, of lots of cats. He's a man's man. And now available, the book of Bob. That makes me so happy. Sherry has written down Bob's proclamations and witticisms over the years. Really? (laughs) And now in book form. I'm fabulous. But it's not available any place but at the Bob and Sherry store. I am sorry for living. At BobandSherry.com. Instant access to the podcast, podcast, fun size, and more with the free Bob and Sherry app. I was on Reddit the other day, and there was an interesting thread. I'm with the boomers on this one. Old-fashioned things that people who are younger still enjoy. We're talking about millennials and also Gen Zers contributing to this. These are things that are associated primarily with boomers, and younger people are sort of digging it. Here's the first one. Physical menus at restaurants. Rather than, you know, getting your phone and hitting the uh, thing that you're supposed to hit and reading it on your phone. I'd like a physical menu. Is, Even is though that they're so journey wrong? and lots of people have touched them, I'm a little surprised. Yeah, no, I, I go up, wash my hands afterward, and sometimes you get a paper one that nobody else uses. I just want to look at the menu and look what they have to uh, to offer. See, um, like a, like an introvert, I go on their website and look at the menu before I leave the house so that I can really sc- study and decide what it is I'm going to order. I do this every time I go to a restaurant because otherwise it's just too much. It's too overwhelming to try to figure it out, too much pressure. In the moment. It's not too much pressure. Here's too the Ita- pressure. here's here, here are the specials. Here's the the Italian specialties with pasta. Here's the seafood and here's the meat. You just look at those. What which what do you feel like? You feel like to have the fish. All right, there's five choices. Oh, let's and look how they describe it. It's elegant. It, it's nice. It's too much. Yeah, I have to. St- Max, do you do this? I have. Doc, do you do it? I have to study yeah, the menu I, ahead. I do. Time. I do that, yeah, I do and my girlfriend time. Bridget does that too looks ahead at what, what what it is we're going to go and she go okay then now I know what I want before we even get there so I'm the only one in this group plus your group I think it's great if a restaurant has an option for both I don't like to be the only one but well, actually but that's it stands alone <laughs> uh the next thing uh this person says uh read I love to have a book where I can turn the pages so do I as a matter of fact I read the New York Times not not online. I do it during the week, but on Sundays, the whole thing. I, I like that younger people are doing that. I don't need Alexa to turn blank on for me. I don't need to clap the lights on either. I can walk all the way over to the switch and put it on. I agree. I go to Landon's house. Alexa, do this. Alexa, start the fireplace. Alexa, put on the baby's uh, uh, light in her room and all of that. Just just go over and put it on. We, There's we a satisfaction to it. We don't have Alexa because it was too frustrating for Kevin because no, no electronic AI can understand his accent. We have, <laughs> we have a different app. We have a different app. It never needs recharging. It is 100% here, free. Here it's called Sweetmeat. Sweetmeat. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet that would be a funny popcorn? name for Alexa. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a funny name though for Alexa? <laughs> Uh, this person says, I'm with the boomers on this one. Physical buttons for climate controls in a car. I refuse to buy a car that only uses a touchscreen for everything. Much safer not to have to fiddle with a touchscreen while driving. It's one of the reasons that I like Toyotas. Everything is so easy to understand. I mean, some of it is touch, 
but most of it is just, oh, yeah, you turn it this way. It's so easy to understand. This person says, I print photos and keep them in a photo album. I like to uh, keep the special moments of life in a book as I go page by page. Well, Mary does that. She has a book that she puts together her favorite photos of the year for her kids every year. Music. Unfortunately, buying CDs is just not as easy as it used to be in my parents' time, but I prefer physical media and just convert it to digital. I hate streaming music. I want a CD now and then. You don't buy CDs, do you? No. Mm -mm. I don't. I, I, I don't want to bring more clutter into my house. Making notes on paper. I will typically use index cards because they are not as easy to fly away or get crumpled. But hey, that's just me. I make notes on paper too. I make notes almost once a week of, of like the 20 things that I have to do and then I get to cross them, off, cross them off. And when you do that physically, it is so much more satisfying. An analog watch. I do everything. To this day, like I'm a note taker from as soon as I, from probably first grade. Yeah, I do a ton of paper notes. Paper notes? Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, an analog watch. It's just so easy to glance at your wrist instead of fiddling around with your phone to get the time. Do you think watches are ever going to make a comeback? I see, I see them advertised in the Sunday Times, you know, the really the, the expensive, uh, expensive watches. They're there. I think, and they're I think that watches are jewelry and accessories now. They're not really like necessary to tell time like they used to be. But I think that people still wear them as a as an accessory. If I'm bored, I can surreptitiously look at my watch. I can't do that with the phone. Yeah, that's the truth. That's true. That's true. Yeah. This person says, Oh, I love this. I still use an old school calendar. I like looking at the entire month and being able to write. And not have to keyboard from my iPad or my iPhone. Um, I agree. And everybody kicks my butt for it. I will carry that dang calendar. I'll put it in my car. And if I go into an appointment where I know I'm going to have to have another appointment, I'm, I'm carrying it in with me right now. And Mary goes, that's so embarrassing. That That is just so nerdy. Use your phone. I don't want to. I want to use the calendar with every month. There's a picture of like a lobster boat or something at the top. I'd like that. Kev has an enormous, like the size of a desktop uh, paper calendar. And once a month, at the beginning of the month, he brings it in the house and puts it on the dining room table. And then I go and I write the things in it that, like, I'll write, like, I'm out of town on this date or I'm yeah. working late on that date. And yeah, then if yeah. there's something coming up that he has to do but that I know he's going to dread. So let's say we've got an event on Friday night. On the Wednesday before that event, I'll write down... 4 p.m., start dreading Friday and asking if I think it will be canceled. <laughs> then on Thursday, the day before the event, I put, um, and like three different times, um, ask Sherry if event will be canceled. Ask Sherry why we really have to go. Ask Sherry if it's really important that you attend. And then on Friday, the event comes. So he's able, he's got his month yeah, at a glance. Yeah. He knows exactly what he's exactly. See, you see, you can't do that with an iPhone. The, the, oh, the satisfaction, really paper. Yeah. the satisfaction is not the same. And I'll close out with this. Thank you, uh, Gen Zers and uh, all the other folks that are uh, saluting baby boomers. We'd like in-person checkouts. I don't know why, but I hate automatic self-checkouts. I agree. I want to be checked out by a human being, but sometimes. All right, straight ahead. More to come with the Bob and Sherry Show. This is 
Bob and Sherry. From sleep training to sex tips, if you have questions, I have answers. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Kim, your confidant and host of the Parentologist podcast. Each week on the show, we dig into relevant topics related to everything parenting, marriage, current events, and mental health. You'll feel like you're in the room and part of the conversation. So please join me and get your weekly dose of expert-level advice and resources from me and my guests in a relatable, easy-to-digest way. Listen to the Parentologist Podcast now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Sherry here. Just saying a giant thank you to everyone who reaches out and contacts the show. We try to read every email, every DM, every text. We do miss some, um, and I apologize for that. If you would like to be on the show, or if something really wild has happened in your life and you'd like to be on the podcast, you can reach us at hello at B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I. Hello at bobandsherry.com. That's usually the most direct way, but however you reach out, thank you and thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Dr. Kim, the parentologist. As a wife, mom, therapist, and all-around juggler like most of you, I lead a hectic life, and sometimes that means indulging in foods on the go that my stomach doesn't always agree with. Thankfully, Pepto-Bismol provides me fast and effective relief for all kinds of upset stomachs. Having a little too many guilty pleasures at a family barbecue or birthday celebration may lead to indigestion or heartburn, so I always keep Pepto on hand to get fast relief when I need it the most. Pepto-Bismol, use as directed and keep out of reach of children. Hey, Bob and Sherry. Hey, Bob and Sherry. Hi, Bob and Sherry. You may not know that we have an app, although I feel like we constantly scream it at you all the time. If you go to Google Play or the Apple App Store, the Bob and Sherry app is absolutely free, and it does all sorts of cool stuff. You can listen to our podcast and our podcast that way. You can talk back to the show. You can text to win all sorts of neat stuff. It's just a cool thing, and it's absolutely free. It's the Bob and Sherry app in the App Store and free on Google Play. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It's the stuff we wouldn't, couldn't, shouldn't do on the regular show. The Oddcast. Oddcast on the free Bob and Sherry app. It's time for Everyone Needs a Laugh. Here is comedian Ian Carmel. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, I am getting married in six days. Yeah. Yeah. You, ha- you have to clap. That's like comedian cheating. I, uh... I, I am so excited. I'm so excited to get married because I love my fiance almost as much as I hate having to say the word fiance. <laughs> it's a terrible word. It has major I studied abroad energy, that word. <laughs> Every time I say fiance, I feel like when I slide someone a piece of paper that has all three old spaghetti factories that I worked at, and I and I call it my resume. <laughs> I wish there was a better word for it, but there's not. There's just not a better term. I wish I could call her my girlfriend plus or something like that. But that just makes it sound like she's my girlfriend and also I can watch old episodes of The Office on her. Oh, hey, listen, something that happens when you get married is like for a month before the wedding, you start receiving uh, gifts for the wedding early. So since I'm here on national television, I thought I'd take the opportunity and knock out some of the thank yous. Uh, Save myself some time later. Uh, Cheryl and Jeffrey Fishbein. Thank you for the white Jaliska serving tray. Every time we have a dinner party, we will be reminded of your generosity. (laughs) Weddings are expensive. I'm the first guy to notice that or comment on it. (laughs) 
And when people who are already married find out that you're getting married, they love to give you advice on how to cut down on the cost of that wedding. And that advice always breaks down into one of two categories. The first category is you're talking to them and they're like, oh, you know what? We actually got married in my uncle's backyard. It was no big deal. Yeah. It was my uncle's backyard. And then you talk to them and you find out that their uncle is a sitting U.S. senator. And like his backyard is Wyoming. Yeah. They got a bunch of like generational wealth because someone on their family tree invented wind. You know what I mean? And then the other category of advice, and these people mean well, but the advice breaks down to basically don't have a wedding. You want to save money on your wedding? Don't have a wedding. That's how you save money. Hey, instead of renting an expensive venue, have it on an active city bus, you know? And don't waste money on catering. Have your guests swing through an Arby's on their way to the ceremony and uh, fill up their pockets with horsey sauce, which is free. And whenever, whenever they get hungry, they just kind of stick their hand in there and poo bear it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dina and Dr. Steve Borzak. Thank you for the outdoor tumblers. Every time we have a barbecue, we will be reminded of your generosity. You have to have flowers at your wedding because what better way to symbolize marriage than by having something beautiful slowly dying on every table? Expensive. Nothing loses value on earth faster than flowers at a wedding. Nothing loses value faster. They're like God made a PT cruiser. Nothing loses value faster. Nothing. At the beginning of a wedding, they're crucial. You need them. And every wedding ends the same way. Someone's aunt trying to give away a floral display to a bunch of drunk 29-year-olds. She's just chasing them around like, they're just going to throw them away. Take them, take them. You'll take so much money on the flowers you normally buy. You just have to be like, thank you. This uh, $500 display of hydrangeas will really brighten up the Ikea bookshelf where I keep my entourage DVDs. He's on. His comedian, Ian Carmel. We'll get that set posted up for you at B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I.com. This is Bob and Sherry. It's the Bob and Sherry Off-Air Podcast called The Oddcast. Podcasting. Podcast. With stuff we wouldn't, couldn't, or shouldn't do on the regular show. On the current Oddcast, our producer, Doc, revealed that he'd never been trick-or-treating. Was it for religious reasons? Nope. You're not going to believe why. You gotta hear this. The Bob and Sherry Off-Air Podcast. The Oddcast. We got a big podcast to do here. Get it now on the free Bob and Sherry app, bobandsherry.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The new and improved Bob and Sherry website. Just go to bobandsherry.com. It is the Bob and Sherry Show, and we're coming to you from, uh, you know, our individual studios. Mine is a uh, converted sunroom studio. And uh, there's a patio right to my right. It's a brick patio, and it's disgusting because it's just covered with mold, and I haven't done anything with it. And I just hired uh, a couple of guys. It's a father-son deal. The, uh, the son's doing the work right now, and uh, he's power washed. Can you hear the power washing? I was I was just hear. worried about it. No, uh-uh. Is you, it really you, loud Oh, you don't hear you? it? Oh, thank hmm. God. Thank God. I thought it was just going to just wipe us out while uh, while he's doing it. Um, I just pulled the blinds up. All right. Just listen to what I'm saying. I just pulled the blinds up from the sunroom studio. It's all glass. And I put these blinds in to muffle the sound. 
I pulled the blinds up so that uh, his son could see me. His son is just busting his butt out there, taking off all this disgusting mold. And I wanted him to see me because when he comes to the door, it's like I'm, I'm not in pajamas, but I'm in like sweats. You know, my hair is screwed up. And I think he's looking at me and going, look at this guy. This guy's doing nothing, and I'm going to be out there. So I've got my headphones on, and I've got all of the computers going here, and the microphone is right in front of me. So he can see that uh, I'm, I, I act, I mean, it's, it is what it is. It's radio, but uh, it's not like I'm just lounging around all day. Let me, let me see if he's looking over here at me now. Hi, Enrique. Hi. Bob, yeah. just, Good job. Good job. I've just yeah. accepted that it, what we do does not look or seem like work to people. I, I just yeah, have accepted it. It's accepted something, it. though. I'm doing something. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you somebody who's got the real job. Have you seen what Adele is going to charge for front row seats in her Vegas show? Tell everybody. It's insane. <laughs> have, you, have you seen this? I was just looking at this. It's funny that you bring it up. Yeah. I mean... It's really hard to believe front row seats will set you back $40,000 a seat. I just don't know who, who can do that. Like hedge fund guys and oil shakes. Like who, who else can do that? Yeah, I think it is like hedge fund guys, you know, and, uh, and they, they want to, uh, they've made a ton of money. They want to impress their wife and their friends. Oh yeah, we got... <clears throat> We got two fronts. Uh, yeah, eighty grand it was eighty grand, but you know she loves Adele, and I love this woman. The cheapest seat is uh, going to be five hundred and seventy-nine dollars. That's that's for back. Now I'm sure they're all good seats in a Vegas, uh, you know, venue. Holy cow! I, I don't I don't understand five seventy-nine for a seat, much less forty thousand for a seat. I I don't care how big a fan I am. I can't justify that. Can you? No. And, and I was thinking, like, suppose you and I really hit the big time, you know, all of a sudden Tony got us a station in New York and, you know, we're just, we're the biggest things ever. And we're going to do a little stand up, a little, you know, audience participation, sort of personal appearance. If, if we were charging $40,000 a seat for the front row, I swear you would have to get naked and, and like dance around or something. Because I just, I, I, I couldn't go Yeah, well, there those just... days are behind me, mister, okay? Those days are done. <laughs> Look, I thought you were going to say, if we hit the big time, maybe then we could afford the Adele tickets. Because that's what it would, that's what I could never. So if I, I if Kevin either. and I went and sat in the cheapest seats, that's well over $1,000. And that doesn't even begin to touch the cost of getting us there. Yeah, in the hotel. Kids in school. Like, yeah. there's no way. No, and these I know are hedge there fund are people. people. They're such big fans. And, and I think you should spend your money however you want. I just couldn't. I just couldn't justify it ever, 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 ever. Yeah, I think maybe, well, not oil shakes, but just, you know, probably a lot of overseas money. There are plenty of people where 40 grand, you know, is like $500 to you and me. Are, they just. Really? Because I can't yeah. relate to that at all. Like in yeah. like eighty thousand dollars for a pair of tickets. How much, I couldn't let do me it. ask Max, how no. much money do you have to have in the bank, Max, before you buy eighty thousand dollars worth of Adele tickets for you and Bridget? 
um, what was that Powerball? <laughs> a, a billion? billion? Yeah, somewhere yeah. in that vicinity. <laughs> I could justify it otherwise, but I'm thinking maybe she doesn't want people in the front row. Maybe she doesn't like having people that close, and this is her way of doing it. She, well, if I'm going to have to have somebody in the front row, they're going to have to pay this. They sold out, yeah. by the way, right away. Uh, oh. All of the the, the of first night sold out as soon as, they, as soon as it went up. That is interesting, though, Sherry. You're right. Who is paying that kind of money? Any celebrities that you see in the front row have been comped, mm-hmm. by the way. They've been comped. Even yeah. though Beyonce and Jay-Z can afford the tickets, they will be comped. Yeah. It'll be Wall Street, money, and Silicon Valley tech money. Yeah. That. I don't think because th- that those are people that get a three million dollar bonus. What's eighty grand when you got a three yeah. million dollar bonus? Right? Especially if your new trophy wife just loves Adele, and you want to you know be a big shot. I don't know. At any rate, uh, I think uh, she's got the right title. She's calling the uh, the shows in Las Vegas "Rolling in the Dough." grief. $40,000 a ticket. I wouldn't even want to be Adele and be looking at a row full of people that paid 40 grand to pop. I know know, it. I I mean, that's so much pressure. It's Bob and Sherry. Sign up for our newsletter. We never spam you. Never did. Get Bob and Sherry exclusives. Just go to BobandSherry.com. I follow a page on Facebook called House of Geekiness, and they had a post that I recently, that I just love so much. I took a screenshot and here's what it says. I love to dismiss my horrible decisions by saying, yeah, that was a weird time in my life. As if the rest of my existence hasn't been absolute cloud shoes. <laughs> I, just, I just felt that, you know, like, like sometimes when I'm, <clears throat> sometimes when I'm awake in the middle of the night, you have to, like, I have to choose, I have to do something. I have to, <clears throat> like yeah. when I wake up around one First, mm-hmm. I have to decide, am I, am I awake, awake? And if the answer is, yeah, you're awake, awake. Then I have to give my brain something to do. <clears throat> so sometimes, sometimes I'll think about all of the stuff I'm working on this week. Or I'll think about a project in the house I'm going to tackle. Something I'm going to like organize mm-hmm. or get rid of or clean or whatever. And sometimes my brain will say, you know what would be fun tonight? Let's take a look at some of the forks in the road and let's review how some of the decisions you made were absolute garbage. Let's begin in eighth grade (laughs) and and for the rest of the night. Oh, it's the worst. It is so much better when I can give my brain like a little job. Like um, I have a giant box of, of Bob and Sherry stuff that I have collected from all of the time we've been doing the show together. Mm -hmm. When I say giant box, I mean it's one of those giant Tupperware containers like you store your Christmas decorations in, and it's stacked bottom to top. And so one of the projects I'm working on is organizing that so that it'll be easier for my children to throw away someday when Mm -hmm. I die. I want to make it simpler for them so they have less to carry to the curb. I love the honesty. Yeah. So, cause I know that they're never like, I go through all this and I'm like, Oh, I forgot that Bob and I did that. Or, Oh, look, there's that picture of us dressed as a cow in the parade. And it's so, so fun. And I saved all of that thinking that someday it might be fun to show my kids. But now that I actually have human children, I realize the day will never come when they, they go, mom, 
Karen, me and I were talking and we were hoping that today is the day we could look at the archive of you and Chit Chat's career. <laughs> That's never, it's ever not going to happen. happen, right? No, and, no. And then there was a little part of me that thought, because I know that you don't save this stuff. The other little part of me was, I know Bob's daughters. And someday Landon's going to call me and say, is there any chance that you have any stuff from dad's career Allie and I would love to look at it. And I would be able to say, honey, of course I do. I have a whole box full. But that day isn't going to happen either. At no time will any of our children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren, no one will say, hey, is there any chance you have a giant box full of crap from your radio job? So I lay awake in the middle of the night and I figure out how to organize that. Or I can lay awake in the middle of the night and remember the time that a boy named Stephen McDermott tried to kiss me and he slobbered on the side of my face and I almost had to die. I can think <laughs> about that. Why do we do this? Because I do the same thing. I don't know. I, I do the same thing. I, I, but I will be so specific about certain things. I mean, it, it's like the people that I interacted with in an inappropriate way or a rude way or a callous way, they've been dead for 20 years and I'm still grinding about why I did a certain thing. Like I, 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 I was over at a friend's house and, and her parents uh, had me for dinner and I was actually living with this family over the summer and they had me to this wonderful uh, dinner with their friends and I never thanked Mrs. Siegel, I never, I never said thank you for including me. I just left, and I always felt that she didn't like me. And I'm beating myself up because Mrs. Siegel has been gone for 20 years, and I'm oh still my beating God, myself you're worse up for. Than I am. Oh, I'm terrible this way. I have a thousand of those little moments. Hey, one thing I can tell you for sure. If we went to Mrs. Siegel in the afterlife and we said, hey, Mrs. Siegel, listen, first of all, Bob feels real bad about not sending a thank you note. But, you know, like he didn't know any better. He was a kid and he wasn't raised that way. So he's real sorry. Listen, you will be allowed to come back to life on earth. But the price you have to pay is you have to spend however long it takes looking at everything in this giant box of Bob and Sherry memorabilia. <laughs> Bob, she'll stay dead. Even she doesn't want to, yeah. even she doesn't want to look know, at any of that. I, I'm thinking about that. I think that our children somewhere along the way, maybe it's the grandchildren or the great grandchildren. I think somebody <laughs> will be interested because our stuff is different. I mean, you know, we're on stage with people. There are celebrities we've had pictures taken with. I, you know, you know I, I've got to you know, think. You know who's going to want it? At some point in the future, one of us will have a great, great grandchild who will have a fifth grade family history project. Yeah. And didn't didn't great, great grandpa chit chat have a radio job? And then they'll go frantically digging around for some proof of that so that the kid can get an A. But do you know what the proof is? The proof is going to be that one shot we took for Thanksgiving where we're dressed up as pilgrims, as pilgrims. and looking yeah. like complete idiots. Yeah. That's the photograph that they're going to bring in and say, this is my great-great-grandmother. <laughs> this is my ancestor. Yeah. But but because it'll be one of it'll be one of my descendants, they'll be a little bit lazy about the research. 
This is my great great grandmother. She came over on the Mayflower. Look, <laughs> yeah, right, here's a picture. Right. <laughs> it's Bob and Sherry. It's the Bob and Sherry Off Air Podcast called the Oddcast. Podcasting. Podcast. With stuff we wouldn't, couldn't, or shouldn't do on the regular show. On the current Oddcast, our producer Doc revealed that he'd never been trick or treating. Was it for religious reasons? Nope. You're not going to believe why. You gotta hear this. The Bob and Sherry Off Air Podcast. The Oddcast. We got a big podcast to do here. Get it now on the free Bob and Sherry app, bobandsherry.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Instant access to the podcast, oddcast, fun size, and more with the free Bob and Sherry app. If you're just joining us, we're talking about how you have to do a family history project in like fourth or fifth grade. And that's the only time that children show any interest whatsoever in their ancestors' accomplishments. And very few of us have anything to hand them, right? So like when my daughters did their family history projects, they included like pictures of the cat and the cat, where the cat came from and who the cat's parents were. Like they, they did the goofiest family history. And when I had to do that same family history project, my, um, we were living out West and it was fifth grade, which seems to be the year for this, right? And I go to my mom and I said, I have to do a family history project. And she said, well, let's see what the questions are. So my mom answered the questions that she could answer. And then we went to the little um, general store near where we lived because we didn't have a phone. And we made a collect call to my grandma black hair back east. And my mom explains what's going on. And I get on the phone with my grandma and she says, what do you want to know, honey? And I said, I have to know about our family history. So here is what my, it started out. Okay. Like she was like, well, your uncle Jack, they called him Jigsy, your uncle Jack and his wife set up their own toll road and they charged people traveling and they made money that way. Grandma, was that legal? Oh, honey, I don't know. But Jigsy was a born thief and a womanizer. Okay. <laughs> These are not things. Fifth graders are, can hear. That she, well, they're not things you can put in the fifth grade project, right? Right. And right. every every relative, it would start out that way. We'd start out so strong. Well, your great grandfather was born in Calabria. And uh, oh, but his wife's mother was a witch. And one night she cast a spell. Oh, my God, I cannot put this in my school project. This is the family project in my family. I envy people who can trace their ancestors back to the Mayflower or the Revolutionary War or whatever. Because my family project is basically um, uh, he was a born womanizer and his mother-in-law <laughs> was a witch. You can't, you can't turn that in. No, you know, you need to have your family tree done. Then you don't have to go into recent specifics that you're aware of. Like Nanette Sawyer is one of our listeners in Norwich, Connecticut. And, and she, she has looked at the family trees of everybody on this show. And my, no, not I was mine. surprised. Not she mine. didn't look at yours? She, she did, did Max, Max and me. Yeah, she did oh, okay. Max. And my, well, there's my nothing to find in mine like, but born womanizers and witches, right? You're, she found My people, people went back to the 1500s. She could, she could take them back to the 1500s, 1600s here in the United States, German and uh, the Irish side. But if it was recent, I would have to be saying, well, my, my uncle, my uncle George was married to a very attractive woman, but she was cheating on him for years and years and ran That's off with exactly. another man to a cabin in Maine. 
Oh, listen, when we got to more recent family, like my father's father, here was the story. Well, I fell in love with your grandfather when I was a teenager. He was a chief in the Navy. His father was also in the Navy. Well, that wasn't his real father because his mother whored around while his father was at sea. Grandma, I can't put that in my paper. I can't, can't do put it. that in my family no, history. No, you cannot do it. You know what my biggest fear is with this sort of thing? We were originally talking about this a few minutes ago about memorabilia that Sherry has saved from the Bob and Sherry show over these many years. And it's all in a great big tub. I, 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 I have done the same thing. I don't have as many things as you have. But you know what I do have? I've got three paintings. One of them is a collage of everybody who's been on the show. And all of the little pictures turn into our faces. One big picture, yeah. One big picture. And if you stand back, you see uh, uh, our faces. You come closer, you see everybody else. I've got that. I've got the oil painting. That was done by uh, who was the famous Peter Max. Uh, I have that you and me with uh, Peter Max uh, painting over a, a photograph of us, and then I have a Bob and Sherry uh, portrait, and I have one of me, and it was like the history of the radio station and me, giant oil painting that I had reproduced. Where are and you I'm hanging actually, any of this? Uh, well, that's the thing. Sooner the or later, thing. somebody's going to get these things. And they're, the, my two girls are going to look at it, or my grandchildren are going to look at it, and you know, yeah, there's, there's Papa. And somebody is going to walk that out to a dumpster. It's going to a garage sale or Goodwill. And some, Who would in, want it? In Who 30 years. Who would want years. a picture of you and me in, in, in 50 years? In okay, fifty years, some hipster is going to buy it ironically at Goodwill for ten bucks, and hang it up, and give us names. They're not going to know who we are. They're going to give us names, and um, we're going to be part of a drinking game. And you know what? I'm here for it. That's a kind of immortality. I'm ready for that. How about you? I have gotten up so early all these years to be known as the two smiling clowns. In a hipster because drinking we, game. In, yeah. the, in those years, yeah. all of the photographs of us, we had to smile. We, we do it like a regular nice post face. They go, can you give us a really big smile? No, a bigger smile, Bob. We're going to be, be known as the two clowns. You're going to be a legend in some frat house. It's a kind of immortality, my friend. You should take it. It's Bob and Sherry. Restless Shores is the story of a billion-dollar pharmaceutical company and the somewhat quirky family that runs it. Shenanigans ensue every week. For 15 bingeable minutes at a time, you can enjoy murder, corporate espionage, organized crime, master thieves, more clones than necessary, treasure, sabotage, kidnapping, torture, adultery, seduction, plastic surgery, psychic readings, explosions. Feeling restless for more on-the-go content? We know we are. Go to our website at www.restless-shores.com. You know you want to. Find Restless Shores wherever you get your podcasts. The Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram. You know that's how your mom describes them. We're on all of them, and we would love to have you come hang out with us on any of our social media. Hit up our Facebook for stuff you hear every day on the show. Talk to us on Twitter. Shoot us a message on Instagram. We want to hear from you, and we want to follow you back. Plus, it's always Catterday right around the corner. 
and we're looking at your picks. That's Bob and Sherry on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I.com. Sign up for our newsletter and you could win a $50 Visa gift card. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. The Bob and Sherry Oddcast. It's a podcast with stuff you won't hear on the regular show. I had Todd track down the founder of the American Museum of the House Cat. I, I got the cat mummy, which was a real rare find. And what did it uh, look like, well, it Doctor? Just, well, it looks like it's just an old dried up cat. It's Bob and Sherry uncensored, uninterrupted, and unfettered. The Bob and Sherry Oddcast. You know, I like people, but I don't crave being around people. You know what I mean? I do. My odd. Not in that say way. That I'm, no, you're not odd. I'm, I'm not odd in that way. You can get the Bob and Sherry Oddcast by going to our website, bobandsherry.com, B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I.com, or text the word Oddcast to 888-262-7437, 888-BOB-SHERRY, or the simplest way, get the new Bob and Sherry app for your iPhone in the App Store. I listen to you every morning on the way to work and the Oddcast on the way home from work every day. It's Bob and Sherry, unlike you've ever heard them before. The Bob and Sherry Oddcast. Instant access to the podcast, podcast, and fun side. Just download the free Bob and Sherry app. Talk back time. If you have our app, it's free in Google Play and the Apple Store. You can download it. You can use it to do all sorts of stuff. You can text the studio. You can listen to the show. You can listen to all of our podcasts. And if you tap the microphone in the bottom center of the screen and talk, the app will send your message. Or you can be all kinds of old school. Let's say you have a phone that you actually talk on. You can call us any time of the day at 844-52-SHERRY. That's 844-52-SHERRY. Good morning, Bob and Sherry. This is Brooke. I just wanted to say that when you said Sally Foster, I audibly gasped. Have a great morning. She's so many of book. us, girl. <laughs> we were talking so about... Many of us have- Sally Foster wrapping paper school sale PTSD. (laughs) So many of us have it. I know. Everybody had a kid who was selling it. Oh, how much is this one roll? $57. Oh, that's it it was so expensive that like my neighbors before before my children were like out of diapers, my neighbors' kids were selling Sally Foster and I would buy it from them. And then I would have to choose which family member is worthy of having their gift wrapped in this priceless Sally Foster paper because you couldn't, you're not going to wrap a kid's gift in Sally Foster because watching that kid shred your investment was too painful. So your Sally Foster wrapping paper would go to like your grandma or somebody that would unwrap it really carefully and then fold it and save it because it's so nice. What were what were the things the three wise men brought to the baby Jesus? Frankincense and myrrh. And myrrh. I think Sally, Sally Foster's made out of myrrh. I don't know what myrrh is, but for the price, it's got to be something like that. Well, the, the three wise men couldn't bring the Sally Foster wrapping paper because they couldn't get the shekels together to pay for it, to get it to the manger in time. It's insane. Right. All right, Max, do we have another one? Yeah, we did a Halloween bit. We talked about trick-or-treaters. Hey, Bob and Cherry. This is Cheryl. I am a longtime listener. Um, I listen to all of your oddcasts and podcasts. In fact, um, sometimes I save them up. So when I go on a long trip, um, you guys can keep me company. Anyway, the reason I'm calling is because I was listening to your Halloween show. And it might have been the day after Halloween. I really, I can't remember. But um, 
Max, it must have been Max, was playing um, some sound effects on a doorbell ringing, you know, for the kids when they come and trick or treat. Well, you guys have dogs and I have a dog. And anytime she hears a doorbell ring, it can be from the TV. It doesn't matter. The, The real doorbell, she is going to bark. Well, whatever bit you guys were doing, the doorbell kept ringing, and I was saying, for the love of God, stop <laughs> ringing that doorbell, because my dog, Abby, just kept barking and barking and barking, and I'm wondering if other listeners' uh, dogs were barking as they were listening. So anyway, I thought it was kind of funny, but I was also thinking, please stop ringing the doorbell. Just stop. <laughs> So, okay, love you guys. Bye. Sorry, I did it again. That's a that's a great that's a great listener that she stayed with the bit even though the dog is going out of his mind. When you were doing that, um, I, I after about four or five of them, I went. I think there's probably a lot of folks with dogs in the car right now that are going out of their minds. Because <laughs> do you remember years ago we had uh, somebody who was driving their kids to school or somewhere? And uh, Max played it one time, and the dog went absolutely crazy. And they called us from the car going, don't ever do that again. This is one of the great benefits of my dog losing his hearing with old age. I mean, you could you could fire up a chainsaw next to his head while he's sleeping. He doesn't even move. And he used to bark every time a leaf fell off of a tree. So I apologize to all the people that you tortured, Max. Can I say something? <laughs> I think it's funny. My dog does the same thing. One more time, just for fun. One more time. All right, there it is. Stay right there. More Bob and Sherry coming. We got so much coming your way today. This is Bob and Sherry. Sign up for our newsletter. We never spam you. Never did. Get Bob and Sherry exclusives. Just go to BobandSherry.com. Well, Halloween was one week ago, but a video just surfaced. And when I saw it, my jaw dropped. The callousness of whoever... Allow this to happen is just breathtaking. A company decorated its office with ghosts of employees who were laid off. So I'm what? looking at I'm looking at the office, and it's one of these. They won't identify. They will not identify the company in this in this posting. But this is uh, like a great big room with the cubicles. We've all been in these. Could be an insurance company, could be whatever. But it's a big room, and somebody has taken sheets and painted. They they got a balloon as the head, wrapped it around, and then draped it down so it looks like a body, and then put eyes and a mouth on. And then every single ghost, and it looks like there are about 10 or 12 of them, has a name. I'm looking at Dan, ghost of employee past. I'm looking over at Stephen, ghost of employee past. And they're sitting in their chairs in front of computers at desks that are empty. And there are 10 or 12 of them. Let me just say at the old station we used to work at, there's not enough linen in India to fill those chairs of ghost no, oh, of that employees would be past. Fun, though. Wouldn't that be fun to do? it's it's kind of yeah look here's luke a ghost of employee past it's kind of mean to those people's you know memory or if luke was a friend of yours 
What a terrible thing to do. Or it's a statement on how vicious the environment is. Like in in our case, all the ghosts, that's not making fun of those employees. That's a statement on how um, deranged management was. Do you think it is? I think in in the case of our former employer, yeah, for sure. Well, that's something you and I would have done, and I think people would have taken it that way. But I think this was evidently done from a uh, middle-level manager, just thought everybody would walk in, and, you know, here it is. It's Halloween, everybody. And look, we've got the ghost of Stephen and and Luke and and Alice. Are you kidding me? It's really tone deaf. It's tone deaf coming from management or HR. Totally. But it would have been it's I'm sorry that we didn't have this idea because that would have been a fun one. Oh look, it's Kelsey's ghost. I was groped. <laughs> we would have had all kinds of fun. You're right about that. You're right. This is the last Halloween thing I'm going to refer to. And this was the text I got from my boyhood friend Paul Miserandino, who occasionally listens to the show. And uh, he was listening when we played the Monster Mash. If you're a new listener, uh, it's a regular thing. It's been this way for years. I get to play uh, the Monster Mash by Bobby Boris Pickett, which I like very much, once a year. And uh, two years ago, Max Max played a knockoff version of it. Is this and the then, knockoff version? Let me hear. For my monster from his slab began to rise. And suddenly, to my surprise... I think that's the original. I think that's the original. It's on Dark Hacks Records, whatever that is. So anyway, I was complaining that this year, once again, Max played the knockoff. It's very, very hard to tell. You really have to know the Monster Mash. And so um, we were kidding about that. And my friend Paul sent me this uh, text message. First of all, it's a picture of uh, the Monster Mash 45 record. And I said, that's the one. Thanks. Hope you were well. Paul said, you were right about the remake. And then I said, how can I know whether it's a remake or the original to the Monster Mash and know absolutely nothing about how algebra works? And he responded, algebra? What is this algebra you speak of? And we both laughed because the two of us were notorious for skipping school, especially especially algebra. So here I am years later, but actually it kind of worked out because what would algebra, what would algebra do for me today? Nothing. But knowing about the monster mash. So, Bob, uh, about this monster mash, the other one that I could find is a very scratchy version. Is this the one that you love so much? Let me hear the open. No, 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 that's not it. No, that's not it. It's Garfax Records. So anyway, thank you, Paul, for listening. Thank you very much, the Monster Mash. Until yeah, I mean, what what good would algebra have done, right? Nothing. I mean, in this business, yeah. Nothing at all. No, that's right. All right, this is Bob and Sherry. You read it once. I don't believe that. And then you read it again. I can't believe this. It's Bob and Sherry's. I believe this shit. I cannot believe this shit. And if you think times are hard now and that people are judgmental and mean, it, it used to be worse. Like a couple hundred years ago, um, there was a farmer in Connecticut. He lived in Griswold, Connecticut, and he was he was a poor farmer and barely getting by. You know, life was really hard a couple hundred years ago. Yeah. We didn't have modern farming equipment. 
poor rocky man didn't soil. have electricity, rocky soil, mm-hmm. unpredictable weather. He was scraping out a living and he was sick. Of course, he was sick with the disease that nobody had a name for. And the disease was tuberculosis and he was wasting away. So he was very thin and his skin turned yellow because there was jaundice going on with his liver. Although the neighbors didn't know that. And his his mouth and his gums would bleed. So he was, I want you to imagine, picture this. He was emaciated, yellow, with a bloody mouth and haggard, haunted eyes. It's a good the holiday story. Keep going. <laughs> the neighbors decided that he was a vampire. And so mm-hmm. when this poor man at 55 years old died of this disease, mm-hmm. the neighbors took his um, body and they treated him as though he were a vampire. They waited till after the funeral. And then at some point, not too far beyond that, they dug him back up and they, they positioned his femur bones, his leg bones. They crisscrossed them and, and they first they removed them and they crossed them over his chest and, and they did some stuff with his head so that he wouldn't be able to walk around and attack the living as a vampire. So this poor man suffered mightily while he lived, and then his body was disrespected in death, and he went down in history in Griswold, Connecticut, as Farmer John the Vampire, when what he was was a poor, suffering man with tuberculosis. How do we know all of this right now? This is the really cool part. Um, scientists from um, a company in Virginia were able to um, work in partnership with the Armed Forces DNA ID Lab, which is a branch of the Armed Forces Medical System. They worked in partnership and they were able to get DNA and they were able to not only identify this man, John Barnes, but they were able to prove for his surviving relatives, and there are surviving descendants, that the poor thing was not a vampire. He was a farmer who was sick and who struggled and suffered and then was treated like some sort of a monster. So if you think healthcare is bad today and that your neighbors are judgmental, <laughs> at least you're not dealing with what this poor man dealt with. And if it doesn't blow your mind that after a couple hundred years, they can identify this man. And also they were able to identify that another person buried next to him was his first cousin. And they were able to give him his name and his dignity and the coolest part. And we'll post this on Facebook so you can see it. They took his skull and they worked with forensic artists who do facial reconstructions. You've seen this on like Unsolved Mysteries and Dateline, right? Where mm-hmm. they'll take a, they'll find a skull in the woods and they'll take it to one of these forensic artists. And the forensic artists will put a face on this person. And then sometimes they're able to identify who it is. They were able to put a face on this poor farmer that for 200 years has been accused of being a vampire. And they even, because they had his DNA, were able to figure out what color his eyes were. And thanks to that DNA, we also know that he is 100% human and 0% vampire. Isn't that amazing? And those people who did that to that man, their ancestors taught me in middle school. I swear to God, it had to bend them. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Because they're still in the area. I want you to imagine what it must have been like for this man. He's barely scratching out a living. I don't know what it, what it is to have tuberculosis, but 
tuberculosis, but they called it consumption because your body was literally being consumed. Right. And oh, you've got all of that going on, Bob. All yeah. of that. And the neighbors are like throwing garlic at you and crosses and holy water and avoiding you at night because they think that you are an undead, undead blood-sucking vampire. Have you ever heard of the great bounty of vegetables uh, coming from Connecticut farmers? You know, what do they farming? No, I really don't know anything about your Connecticut farming. What do they farm? Uh, they, they farm, uh, grit. That, that's, that's all they, they can get out of the ground there. It is a rocky soil. This poor man, this poor man barely yeah. scraping by and yeah. they think he's a vampire. So look around your neighborhood. You know, every neighbor has, every neighborhood has that one neighbor where you're like, I don't know what's going on here. It's probably not a vampire though. You know what they need to do? You, you know what's going to happen? This is going to happen. This, this story gets out, and somebody is going to name a hot sauce after him. <laughs> they owe him that. It's, they History owe him that. History owes him that. Right. Yeah. Vampire John Barnes. A, <laughs> either a lager beer, you know, a specialty beer, or a, or a hot sauce. Poor man. A specialty, a specialty beer would be good, yeah, actually. That's right. Because you, you, you could have this reconstruction of the space and just add a couple of fangs. Yeah, you're all set. Yeah, Folks, what, what is wrong with us that we did this to this poor man? But now his descendants know, not a vampire. It's Bob and Sherry. Hey, you can upgrade your mixology game with Vena's Fizz House Virtual Mixology Classes. If you'd like to win a class for you and a friend, just go to bobandsherry.com. That's B-O-B-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-I.com. And hit the contest tab. And hit the contest tab. And it's the perfect holiday gift. Vena's Fizz House Virtual Mixology Classes with Bob and Sherry. Bob and Sherry Books, Swag, and the Mother of All Mothers Merch. Just hit shop at bobandsherry.com. People who look at this sort of thing have uh, come up with some interesting observations about folks who are in long-distance relationships. How do they keep it fresh? Well, you know, far apart. It's very, uh, it's very difficult to do. Only six in ten actually succeed with long-distance relationships. So what qualifies for a long-distance relationship? Well, you have to be living at least 132 miles apart from each other. The first few months of a long-distance relationship may be an optimistic time, but the study pinpointed the four-month mark as being the hardest part of the relationship. If your long-distance relationship can survive eight months, evidently, for some reason, it gets a lot easier. I guess you know, you get used to it. Being in a long distance relationship means having to communicate with your partner electronically a lot more than usual. And um, the average long distance couple will send 343 texts every week and spend about eight hours a week on the phone or video chatting. But that doesn't solve all the problems. Obviously, the lack of physical intimacy was still the biggest challenge in the long distance uh, relationship. You know, I was in one and it did not last. I think we kept it going. We had been dating for about a year and a half. And she moved uh, to do a television uh, news show in uh, Nashville and tried to keep it going. But, um, you know, one phone call I made and it was a little late at night and there was no answer. I figured that's the end of that. And called her the next day and I said, you're a great person, but uh, we're going to be moving along here. Um. I think in the right situation, I probably, 
with the right person who had a, a head in the same place, I probably could have pulled it off for a long, long time because it was kind of like you were just beginning dating every two to three weeks when we would see each other. You know, I, I would drive, it was like a six hour drive or I would fly once in a while where she would come to see me and it was exciting. Oh, coming up, I'm going to see her on, uh, on Friday night, you know? Whereas if you're with somebody every day, you know where you're going to be on Friday night, even if you know, you know, if you live in the, even if you just live in the same city and not the same, in the same abode, I think I might've kept that going, but you know, life has different plans for all of us. I just wonder, are there people out there that I know of one couple that, um, that is their permanent relationship. He is a very successful CEO and she is a person with a lot of uh, interests and does not work outside the home. And, uh, and they're both very happy seeing each other every couple of weeks. I used to think that I would be good at a long distance relationship because I, I mean, for all the reasons that you just described <clears throat> and also it would let me like focus on my work and my children and, and a hundred percent and then focus on you a hundred percent. Right. Here's, here's why I no longer believe I'd be good at a long distance relationship. I have an old friend who is in a long distance relationship and mm -hmm. she recently confessed to me that the worst part of it is, is that after a long day of working and dealing with children and her elderly parents, she is expected to put on basically a live sex show via FaceTime. <laughs> and oh, oh, oh. and I, after she described that to me, I was wow. like, yeah, no, I just realized that I'm not going to be any good at a long distance relationship. I'm tired at the, like, I'm so wiped out by the end of the day that the thought of, all right, I got to put some, I put some lip gloss and something slinky on and put on a show. <laughs> <clears throat> that's it. I, I, I'm just being honest. I, I just don't see that. I don't see that happening for me. How about you? So this is, this is not her husband. This is, uh, this is a boyfriend that she's dating now. That they've been together divorced. for a, a long time. Yeah. They've been yeah, together for yeah. a long time. And it, it wasn't always long distance. His job transferred him and they're mm -hmm. trying to decide they're, they're trying to decide what to do about that. Like she doesn't really want to move and, and he may not be able to get back. So are they going to stay long distance? So that's like a whole issue all by itself. But when she, and that was the phrase she used, I got to put on a live show via FaceTime. Every <laughs> like, day? Oh, every, not day? every Not every day. How many shows, often, how many shows a week? I mean, this is like, you know, like four Vegas. Five. Four, four or five. five. Yeah. Holy Bet Bette Midler doesn't work yeah, because, that hard in Vegas. His feeling is like, you know, why not? And and she's like, um, because I don't want to. But you, she doesn't feel like yeah. you, you want to be a part of. You're trying, right? You're trying to, you're trying to keep things going, and you you want to carry your weight and all of that. I just know, I know you have to know yourself at some point. You have to be honest about who you are. Yeah. I know for a fact. Come around 10 p.m. on a Tuesday night. Oh yeah. Uh uh. <laughs> no, that's not going to be happening. Does, here. Did you say that Mama she, gets still, up early. she still has kids? She still has kids in the house. Um, they're teenagers though. 
I mean, they're they live. Oh, they're never home. That's yeah. even worse. Oh well, they're, I think they're so. at ten o'clock. They probably are a lot of I times think, during the week. Well, th- that's the other thing. Like you know, you want to wait till. I mean, it's just it's too, it's too much. It's it's too much. It's too four much. or five times a week. Wow. Mom, mom, why are you playing? You can still wear your hat so loud oh, in there. Oh my god, I mom. Just, I. And if you're capable of doing that, I want to give you a round of applause. I'd like to send you a tip. I just know that that would not be me. Mom, I hate that old song. She's a brick house. Why do you keep playing it? It's a nightmare. Technology has made it a nightmare. A nightmare. So there you go. Yeah. Hey, if you're in one of these LDRs, very much good luck to you and get that five hour energy going it's bob and sherry it's the bob and sherry store sizzling summer sidewalk sale everything in stock is on sale 10 percent off 10 percent off including sherry lynch's cookbook cooking with cats and swag you can use like bob and sherry 24 ounce latte mugs travel mugs h2 go water bottles and our very hotline of mother of all mothers merch including tote bags candles wear around tea and sleep shirts 10 percent off it's the sizzling summer sidewalk sale everything is 10 percent off just hit Shop at BobandSherry.com and use the discount code podcast at checkout. I think we've all heard stories about actresses, especially actresses, but sometimes actors who are discovered on the street. It evidently happens more than we think. And once again, I can't believe you said Jennifer Lawrence. She got her big accidental break. She was a Kentucky native vacationing in New York, and she was just 12 years old. A talent agent spotted her in Union Square, and in no time, Jennifer Lawrence was a bona fide teen model. The Hunger Games came later. Her debut on TV was Monk in 2006. She got her first Oscar nomination with Winter's Bone in 2010, and she won the prize two years later for Silver Linings Playbook. Um, That is a talent agent with talent that can be in Union Square, look at a girl who is, what did I say, 12 years old? 12. And say, that girl has star power, and be right. Channing Tatum uh, was offered a full scholarship playing football at West Virginia. He decided to move to Miami. While walking down the street, a talent agent saw him, got him some modeling work for Gap and uh, Nautica, and then he turned his attention to acting and uh, landed a gig as a dancer with Ricky Martin's She Bangs music video, and from there went on to the movies. The South African beauty, Charlize Theron, who is just such a great actress, true. She moved from South Africa to Hollywood when she was 18. She was alone, living in a shady hotel room. She was starting to run out of money, and she said she went to the bank to cash a check. If she wasn't able to cash the check, she would have been thrown out of the place that she was sleeping. She got in a big argument with the bank teller, and there was a guy who was standing there who was in the movie business, and he watched the whole thing. And afterward, he came over to her, and she got her first role in Children of the Corn 3. If she had not been in a fight with that teller, who knows what would have happened. Matthew McConaughey, he was in a hotel bar in Austin, 
when he met a producer casting director who introduced him to Richard Linklater. And uh, he was in the process of casting Dazed and Confused and put him right in the movie. A simple mustache and longer hair changed the look completely. This one blows my mind. Johnny Depp had nothing better to do one day, so he decided to go with a friend of her of his, Jackie Earl Haley, on an audition for Nightmare on Elm Street. As is the case in these scenarios, Haley didn't get the part, but director Wes Craven, Wes Craven saw Depp hanging around the set and asked him to audition. Depp got the part as Glenn, who has one of the most disturbing and iconic kill scenes in horror history. He's there it with makes, his friend. He's just hanging out with his friend because he's got nothing to do. And Jackie Earl Haley was kind of an established kid actor. He was in like Bad News Bears. Yeah. Oh, I know yeah. him. Yeah. 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 How about that? How about that? Here's what this makes you wonder. How many times in your own life have you been in exactly the right place at the right moment to have your destiny change, to have the whole course of your future pivot it's true in yeah. ways that you may not even realize in the moment happened right? that's right natalie portman was a nine-year-old girl eating pizza in long island a rep from revlon spotted her and got her into modeling she of course became the academy award winner eventually and uh was in a movie called the professional have you ever seen that yes oh, i've seen girl. the professional yes so have yeah. i good movie yeah it is a really good movie. But she was nine years old, and they saw it. Marilyn Monroe spent most of her childhood in foster homes and orphanages. Perhaps the most iconic blonde sex symbol in American history was actually a brunette. She was working at a plant. Doesn't say what kind of a plant. When a photographer just happened to spot her, took her picture, put it in a magazine. She dyed her hair blonde. And she was off to the races and became really the Elvis version of a sex symbol for women back in that period, too. If that photographer had not seen her and seen something in that face, I don't know that she would have actually made it. John Wayne was initially a USC football player but he lost his scholarship because he broke his collarbone. He didn't know how to pay for college. Uh, somebody gave him tickets to see um, a, a Western star Tom Mix, who I think was like an actor, uh, must have been back in the 30s. John Ford met him. Tom, Tom and Mix hired was him. a cowboy actor. Yeah. Cowboy who used, actor. Who, right? used to ha- who had his tm engraved on his tires or not engraved embossed on his tires so that when he drove around dusty hollywood uh, streets people would know he'd been there is that (laughs) an odd little piece of trivia about tom mix so john ford uh meets wayne and says i'll hire you to work in the prop department you're a big guy and then he started looking at him a little more and he said i think you need to be in this film i'm doing it's called stagecoach and it became one of the greatest Westerns of all time. You know, it's always uh, brought up as uh, one of the examples of a dramatic Western landscape. An example of one of the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful examples of the Western landscape of all time. So it goes on and on. There are others. Mel Gibson was spotted on the street. Sarah Michelle Gellar, 
uh, just so many. And I didn't realize that. Even William Brimley was spotted. Somebody said, we need to have somebody play a ranch hand and a blacksmith, and you're it. (laughs) And he got it. it. Every one of these people was super talented, and they earned their success. But it makes you realize there are a lot of people walking amongst us that are super talented who did not get so lucky. Yeah, that's right. It's Bob Bob and Sherry. The new and improved Bob and Sherry website. Just go to bobandsherry.com. I love this kind of stuff. These are um, a handful of words that are romantic words, but there's they're in other languages. There's no English equivalent. You know, like the Germans right. have often the Germans have the best words like schadenfreude. Mm-hmm. You know, that little right. thrill of pleasure you get when somebody gets what they have coming to them. Right? Exactly. I mean, a lot of Enjoy, it. Enjoying the misfortune of an enemy. Yeah. I, another German word that I really like is Kummerspeck, which translates to grief bacon. And it's, I think it's the word for when you're feeding your feelings. You're experiencing <laughs> Kummerspeck, right? Yeah, so here's right. a word from Portuguese. I'm going to try to pronounce these, right? This is saudade. Saudade. And mm-hmm. this is a word that means that really strong feeling of missing someone that you love. Oh. And and if you think about that, we don't have a word for that. Mm. We have to string a lot of words together. Like when Mary was away um, in August, you mm-hmm. were experiencing saudade, but yeah. you didn't have a word for it. No. I, it's I, way I was more too romantic. embroiled in watching whatever the hell I wanted on TV and eating over the sink. So. <laughs> here's, <laughs> um, here's a word from Arabic. And the word is tukberna, and this is a love so deep that you can't imagine even living without this other person. Like there's love, and then there's tukberna, which is that really deep love. Is is that a great thing to have, or is that also as much of a burden? Because the idea of they're not here, or if something should happen to them and they pass, your life would be so traumatized that it would be difficult to be happy. But if you live your life dreading the moment of loss, you'll never experience any of the joy. That's true. Like, wouldn't it be better to have better to have Tukberna and loss than to have no Tukberna at all? Right. (laughs) There there are people that go through their whole lives and they never they never feel that kind of love for another person. And they never they never feel loved in that way. Um, This next one is French. And the word is Ruchuvai. And this is the word that means the joy of reuniting after a long separation, which is a very specific kind of feeling, right? It is. Yeah. Ruchubai. Here's one from um, Boro, which is one of the languages in India, and it's unsra, unsra. And this word means the bittersweet feeling you have when you love someone, you're in a relationship but you know it's not going to last. You know this mm. isn't forever. That's a tough one. Unsra. We've all That's been there. That's a tough one. I don't know that everybody has. Do you think everybody has been there? Been in love well, with someone and you know that uh, it's, it's just never going to go to fruition. You know that it's, it's for right now. You know that it's not forever. I mean, you've had relationships yeah. like that, right? 
Um, I don't know that everyone has. There are people that met their true love in middle school and they've been together ever since. But for a lot of people, you know, you know what I seldom did in my dating years? I seldom did that. I seldom dated someone who, you know, I found interesting and attractive, my type and all, and never said to myself, well, um, I don't think this is going to be long term. But I'm going to enjoy it for the next uh, 18 months or whatever the situation is. I never really had that in my mind. As soon as I thought, I don't think this is going to be a long-term thing or maybe even a forever thing, depending on you know how old you are and where you are in your life, um, I never really experienced that. Okay, you're going to – like let, let's take an actor who obviously has done that a lot, Brad Pitt, I think, uh, certainly Jack Nicholson. A lot of these people, you know – Okay, we met on the movie set. We're going to be together for a while. But back in my head, you know, I'm going to go out there and sow my wild oats. I, I never experienced that. And I think if I, if I could go back, I think I would have. It would have taken some pressure off me just to say, I have no idea how long this is going to last. But, you know, as long as we're having fun, we're having fun. Do you think that you were always either trying to close the deal or looking for yes. someone that the deal Both. was going to close with? Both. Yeah, and I that you both. could never do like, well, sh- this is miss right now. No. Yeah, that's exactly right. I don't know why either. Because, you know, we've kidded about it on the air. Growing up, you know, I wanted to be James Bond or, you know, one of these happy-go-lucky guys that has the uh, sexy apartment in New York, San Francisco. You know, and it, and it just never happened. I, I don't think it happens for many, many guys at all. You're you're the marrying kind. You're the monogamy. Whoa! Guy. I just hate that. I hate that expression. I know, but you are. You're the mar. Yeah, that's on my tombstone. He was the marrying kind. <laughs> it's Here's actually it's from, perfect. It's perfect on a tombstone. Here's a word from Tierra del Fuego, mama la mama la pay, which is the word that is that look that two people in love exchange that. Mm-hmm you can almost cut with a knife. And finally, right. out of Japan, konayoken, which is a word that means the feeling you've just met, but you feel like this is someone you could fall in love with. That's an interesting concept and Kuna an interesting yoken. word. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Bob and Sherry. Now, let's open up the Bob and Sherry Archive Vault. So we were just talking about how human beings are just, we seem to just be you know, in our very biology to find the color red sexy. It's Bob's favorite color. And he gets grief for wearing his red pants, not because they aren't sexy, but because, you know, it's just not a thing in our culture for men to wear brightly colored pants. But what's your favorite thing about yourself that's sexy? Like, what's your favorite Bob sexy? Me? Yeah. Do, Are you there? You, Did we lose him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Do you, do you I, have I, something? I, I thought you could have been talking to the audience. I, I didn't realize you were talking to me. Yeah. What, what's your favorite... What's the, yeah. What's your favorite well, thing about your your favorite sexy thing about yourself? Oh, um, did we lose him? <laughs> <laughs> Is he there? Are we, did we lose him? I'm thinking. Okay. <laughs> what's What's my favorite thing about sexy myself? Thing that, about yourself that makes me like sexy. Of, yeah. Of all the things about you that are sexy, what's your personal favorite? Did we lose him? Uh, Can I think for a moment? Jeez. I can't help you, Bob. I want to help you, but I can't say anything. This is really pathetic. 
Um, you're, you know, you're having a confidence crisis because, you know, there are so many things about you that are sexy and you can't think of a single one. That, well, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of men who I know are sexy, like, you know, um, Patrick Stewart or um, uh, Liam Neeson, Chris Pratt. I'm thinking of those. I, I got nothing going on. I look, I look pretty good in somewhat tight jeans. <laughs> I'm pulling that connect. With, that's for with, the book. Uh, that's with, the book of Bob. <laughs> I, I look somewhat good in uh, not real tight jeans, but but somewhat tight jeans with my blue sneakers. You know. Um, I think that your ability to um, juggle a conversation like at dinner is a very sexy quality that you have. That's not sexy. That's, and that's, 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 a, that's a skill that is questionable. But it's very sexy. When you see someone that can really pull that off, because it's very like, uh, it's like suave, you know, there's like some debonair suaveness about that. That's and the I think- I've worked with you for over two decades. You're looking at me every day. And, and my BS ability at, at, at a dinner party is the sexiest thing about me. Well, I think you have a sexy booty. I've told you that. You've managed to have a real nice one for a real long time. Yeah, I've Once told Once again, you that. back to the somewhat tight jeans, which was my <laughs> point. You know what? I'm <laughs> I'm really sad. I'm really sad that this pandemic you're sad. has stripped oh, you're you. <laughs> Listen. I have a terrible walk, though. I, I have my father's walk. And every time I walk by a building with glass, I look and I catch myself and I go, well, that is the least sexy man on the face of the earth. We need to get you out more. You have lost all of your confident mojo. This is the saddest day ever that you can't find one sexy thing about yourself. That's so sad. And I don't get out much. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I tell you, the the sexiest thing about me is the woman on my arm when I walk into a restaurant. That's the sexiest thing about me. You need, you know what? Your self-confidence. We got to work on this. We're, we're going to... Oh, you know, I can't work on myself anymore. Up, no, 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 no. I cannot today, work on myself. When no. we finish today, we're going to have a no. period of affirmations where we're no. just going to say... No affirmation periods, please. No. Affirmation periods. No. <laughs> it's uh. Bob and Sherry. At the Bob and Sherry Show, we love a good Catter Day photo. And we want to post your kitty best friend on our Instagram. Just send us a photo of your furry friend or you and your furry friend, and you could see them on our socials. Plus, you could pick up some great swag, including a surprise catnip toy from Dr. Pussums and your very own Bob and Sherry photo frame. Just submit your pics to bobandsherry.com on the contest tab. Every day is Catter Day from Dr. Pussums and Bob and Sherry. Leave us a talk back. Talk back with the free Bob and Sherry app. If you were with us just a little bit ago, we were talking about these words that other languages have that describe very specific romantic feelings, and there's no English equivalent. And I think that we need to come up with some words that describe very specific feelings that you have in a relationship. Like, for example, there needs to be a word for, I love you very much, but if you don't stop talking while I'm trying to sleep, I'm going to hurt you. Um, I think that word is wife. (laughs) Um, I would also like there to be a word, um, just one word that says, I know I agreed to marry you, 
but I don't need to know everything your digestive tract is up to. <laughs> Have you ever had a, a somebody in your life who will describe every single thing about their digestive tract? Yes. Um, and it's so again, uncomfortable. I need, I need that word. Um, I need a word that 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 goes that means basically how nice that your lower intestine is functional. Keep it yeah. to yourself. Right. right. Like, think of all the things that go on in a relationship, whether you're married or not. Like any long-term relationship, you need words to describe certain phenomenon. Here's one. Here's one. Just pick a restaurant or I'm jumping out of this car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so true. That is so true. That we do it. Mary and I do this dance and it's like Friday night, right? And we've forgotten to book a restaurant and there's not much available so i'll she'll say i don't feel like cooking what do you want to do i said and i'll you know do the codependent thing i'll go out and pick up something well maybe we need to go out we haven't been out in a while okay where do you want to go well i don't know how about you know i'll name one or two and then there's a pause and the pause says eh, i'm really not into that i said or we can you know just pick which what you want to do you know why don't you pick I don't know what I want. You need the it's, word for wow. just pick a restaurant or I'm jumping mm-hmm. out of this car. I would That's like true. there to be I would like there to be one word that would basically say ha 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 I know exactly what that is that's touching me. <laughs> <laughs> Which as a man you cannot <laughs> yeah. relate to. Yeah, I understand. I understand. You know, with the restaurant thing, it's it's kind of a gamble because if if you're asked which restaurant do you want to go to, and of course what kind of food do you want to have, it's on you that it's good that night. If you get there and it's an off night or never been to that restaurant before and it's not very good and it's a little more expensive, it's kind of on you and it's a bummer. We don't go out very often. I don't know why. We just don't. Like we'll get takeout, but we're not like big restaurant people. But um, last week, I needed to um, run some errands. And I said to Kev, why don't you come with me? And there's this really cool park near where I'm going. We can go for a walk and then we'll get dinner out. And he was like, yeah, okay, that sounds good. So I go and go for a walk. It's a beautiful fall day. Like everything's perfect. And now there's that moment where we have to decide where we're going. And you do right. need a word for well, how the heck would I know Yelp says it's good, right? Because you you have right. not eaten at every restaurant in the known world. So um, I'm going and I find a restaurant. I'm like, look at this place. It has 853 reviews and four and a half out of five stars. With that many reviews and that many stars, it's bound to be good. And so we're driving to it. And now the questions begin. Well, um, am, am I going to like it? Well, I don't know. I mean, I read you the menu when we picked it. Um, is it in like a safe area? Yeah, it's in a perfectly safe area. Do they have burgers? Yeah, yeah, they have, they have burgers. Do they have, I have never been to this restaurant either. I am basing everything I'm telling you off of Yelp. And if it isn't good, I'm going to have to own it as though it were my restaurant that I built with my own hands. Yeah. That's my point. And by the way, if you're a woman and you're the person who's looking uh, up on Yelp, Um, or whatever the uh, website is. We think that you know everything about it, including where the manager lives. We assume. 
because you're on it. This is your thing. And I apologize for it. And I'm guilty of doing that. We need a word. Y'all need a word where you basically say, you're my wife, not a brain in a jar. Okay. I'm sorry that I make you do all the thinking and make all the decisions and then hold you responsible if the pasta was overcooked. It's Bob and Sherry. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Bob and Sherry podcast and the Bob and Sherry Oddcast. We would love if you would subscribe, rate and review and share it with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you go. And thank you again for listening.